Optophobia, the fear of opening one's eyes. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you, our listeners, to move beyond that fear, to solve riddles they don't want us to unriddle, to investigate supposedly ironclad truths, to unearth evidence buried for so long they believed it would stay buried. Season 3. It started with a deranged Oregon magician who bit the head off a ferret during a holiday show for children. At least that's what we've been told. Since then, the disease called Kofefi-19 has raged across the globe. Yes, the virus has separated us, isolated us, shaken us. But it can't take away our sense of incredulity. We know that 5G cell waves make us more susceptible to the virus. That doctors Deborah Burks and Anthony Fauci lead the medical wing of the deep state. And that Bill Gates is seeding the eventual vaccine with nanocrystals to track our locations 24-7. We've been told less about the Redmond Institute of Virology, an Oregon-based BSL-4-level biosafety facility that just happens to experiment with ferrets. This season on Optophobia, we'll track down the distortions, the assumptions, the omissions. Are you bored by the lies? Open your eyes. Hi, everybody. I am your host, Chris Taub. You've probably noticed over the last several months that the places where you shop are allowing fewer people inside. The reason we've been given is social distancing, the logic being the fewer people inside a space, the smaller the chances that those with Kofefi-19 will infect others. But our guest today says that's not what's happening at all. The motives for shorter hours and fewer customers have, in fact, nothing to do with public health. So that's what we're going to talk about with our guest today. But before we do that, I want to welcome my co-host for this week, aspiring bagel sommelier, Gino Romero. Gino, how's it going? Hey, what's up, Chrissy Tob? What's going on, man? How's it going in New York? Oh, man, New York. Uh, well, Everything Bagels has uh, changed their name to... Uh, we have all kinds of bagels except for Everything Bagels. That's the full name of the new... Yeah, so we mostly have... We have plain, we've got raisin, we've got uh, bran muffin, we've got cinnamon, we got blueberry, we got the uh, egg... We got the sesame, we got garlic, we got uh, rosemary, we got fat-free. This is... Hold on, I'm not done, I'm not done. Oh, sorry. We got, we got marble, we got marble rye, we've got the carrot. But you can't ask for everything. If you ask, come in, you ask for an everything bagel. We don't have that. So was that the full name of the new store, what you just... Yeah, the full name of the new store is we've got everything but everything bagels. It's just taped up on the front door. So why can't they just throw all that stuff into one bagel? So I don't know if you know how bagels work, but before we were uh, getting those, everything bagels shipped all together. So when they came to the store, they already had everything on it. 
and uh, since the Kofefe, we've you know that the uh, the bagel uh, artists have uh, the sous chefs have had to uh, make the bagels at home, drive it to the store, so that the store can then hand them out at the front door. We found out that not not very many sous chefs are good at putting everything on the bagels, so we've just decided that we're we're going to do all kinds of bagels except for everything bagels. So the the bagel artists really need to focus on one ingredient. Yeah, yeah, because um. I don't know if you know how art works, but you can't you can't do two kinds of paint. Like if I'm doing a, a Renaissance uh, a pastel, I can't then switch it up and bring in like a an an oil uh, based paint. You know, it's not going to work on the canvas. So you got to do one or the other. So you're still making bagels at home. I am crafting bagels at home. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your specialty? If you can't make everything bagels anymore, what is what is Gino Romero in particular good at? Um, well, I took I, I I volunteered for the hardest bagel to make. I make plain bagels, so I I thought you know this one's the most challenging because while it it doesn't have anything added to it, if you don't make a plain bagel right, then you can't make any kind of bagel. Oh, that's interesting. So it's the the simplicity of the plain bagel actually makes it the hardest it's thing, it's the most difficult one. I mean, some people will be like, "Well, that's not true. I've got a marbled bagel that I got to braid before I." boil and and bake and i say yeah that's easy i can braid and boil and bake the three b's that's nothing but if you just have a plain bagel that you have to get right perfect every time get out of my face you know yeah what's your take on bialis i know what that is but just remind me uh one more time that's the, almost like a bagel but they don't boil it first they bake it oh right right oh i'm sorry you said bialis we call it bialis oh sorry bialis um it's not my thing i have had to make some bialis um so uh, i've had to get a second oven that's uh it's run by the fan of uh, my playstation 5 that i got pre-ordered so that sounds that sounds very like you're utilizing a lot of different things in your house as a lot of people are these days to make it, to make yeah. stuff happen. Yeah. My PlayStation, my old PlayStation's all run hot. So I said, well, I don't need to uh, buy, a, I don't need to buy a whole new fan or a whole new oven. I just need to take the heat I got in my apartment and redirect it. And so I've uh, created a sort of contraption so that it captures the heat from my PlayStation five that I pre-ordered and it just funnels it right into the oven so it heats it up uh so it gets up to uh, 425 degrees so i mean every time that we talk it seems like you're making a little innovation or tweak on your way to becoming a bagel sommelier yeah i mean the road is long and bumpy and squishy and jagged and rough and and smooth and windy and miserable and tiring but I'm getting there. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. I want to get to our guests. So I just want to tell everybody listening, if you're new to Optophobia, please check out our website, optophobia.org. You can learn a little about our first two seasons. Uh, Unfortunately, this week's guest, Ash Flat, Arkansas computer programmer, Bashful Jones, was unable to be with us. Bashful is most well known for her belief that the government mandated a quarantine because it's embarrassed about how we all look and wants to keep us from having to see each other. She sent an email a couple of days ago and said she had tried to cut her own hair with a saw that she had in her toolbox. 
and that did not go very well. And she is now so ashamed of how she looks that she does not even want to be on a podcast. So hopefully we can catch up with uh, Bashful another time. We were extremely lucky, though, to book our guest for today at the last minute. Joining us from his home in McDowell, Virginia, professional sharpshooter Nate Drysdale is with us. Nate, welcome to Optophobia. Uh, very good to be here, Chris and Jeno. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, uh, thanks for thanks for coming, in, Nate. Uh, you know, before I get started, I just like to say that uh, condolences to your uh, would be guest. Uh, as someone who frequently cuts my hair with a saw. You know, she should read a few books beforehand. What you got to do is you got to come at it at a 45 degree angle. Okay. Well, we'll pass that along to Bashful. Nate, when when I hear sharpshooter, I usually think of, uh, you know, kind of the Civil War, maybe World War One. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about sort of the modern professional sharpshooter? What what is What does one do as a as a sharpshooter these days. Well, I'm really glad you, uh, you asked that question as it is, uh, my hometown, McDowell, Virginia is a, it's a historical civil war battle site. So, uh, naturally I do come from a long line of gun toters and outlaws and sharpshooters and what have you. Of course, the modern take on a sharpshooter is, uh, some people have say, uh, a sniper. If you've seen the movie American sniper, that's, a good example of a classic modern sharpshooter, but uh, I love that movie. Love it. Oh, it's a it's a fine it's a fine film. I often play that movie while I'm making bagels. Yeah, uh, hey, I, I like myself a good bagel now and then myself. I'm more uh, more of an egg man. But either way, uh, I'm not that kind of sharpshooter. I, what I do is I uh, I'm more of a, a gun juggler, and I take my Tones to various birthday parties for children and bat mitzvahs. Basically, uh, anything you can shoot up in the air with your hand, I can shoot it down with my Colt single action army revolver. Oh, oh, I've 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 been to a birthday like this before. Our paths might have crossed, Jino. Yeah, I mean, when I was seven, a uh, couple of guys, couple of guys had an NRA sponsored uh, birthday in my neighborhood, and I remember there was a gun juggler there. Oh, I. Uh, it could have been me, but it could have been it could have been someone else. You know, it, it, I graduated from uh, the the Los Angeles Gun Juggling Academy. It's the only place that'll do it, by the way. Not just not because of the guns, but because of the juggling. Wow, that's cool! You graduated from LGA. That's right. Ah, you know. So, Nate, I, I just want to make sure I'm picturing this correctly. At a birthday party or a bat mitzvah, you are there. There's children around you. They're throwing things up in the air, and you're shooting them out of the air. And certain that is absolutely correct. Almost anything that you can grab, you just toss up, and they just shoot it with their six six shooter. That's right. You're very, very, very familiar. You know, you name it, I can shoot it. You want to name a couple of things, I can tell you if I've shot it out of the air. Spam. Done it. Barbies. Oh yeah, not just any Barbie, but one that the birthday girl had just opened for her. 17th birthday. Who threw that Barbie up in the air? Oh, her uh, her ex-boyfriend. Her ex-boyfriend threw her 16-year-old Barbie gift in the air. That's right. Uh, don't You know, I don't ask why 17-year-old girls ask for Barbies for their birthday. That's not your job. It's not. 
Now, my job is to shoot things out of the air. What are some of the hardest things to shoot out of the air? Oh, gosh. It, usually, if it's it's really heavy, then that's kind of the hardest thing to shoot. You, you'd think that the more mass an object has, it would be easier to shoot. But those things can just, they can come crashing down immediately after you, after you use a, a trebuchet or a catapult to toss it up there. For example, have you ever shot an oven? No, no, I've never shot an oven. I've never shot an oven either. Not, not one of your easy bake ovens, mind you. I mean like a full-size gas stove plus oven combination from a professional kitchen. And somebody catapulted that somehow into the air for you to shoot? Well, trebuchet, actually. The catapult and the trebuchet are similar but different. Yeah, trebuchet, if I remember, that's the the one that's a counterweight balance, right? That's right. You know your, yeah, you know your physics. I admire a man who knows his physics, Jino. I'm a virgin, so. Oh, hey, hey, me too. I would imagine that uh, the heavier an object is to throw up in the air, the more dangerous it is for the people around the party, because if it doesn't go very high, your gun is going to come kind of more level to the earth and therefore the people. Oh, yeah. There have been a few accidents, but I make everybody sign an NDA. I make all the party guests sign uh, an NDA with their own signature. Uh that particular one, uh, it wasn't just the fact that the gun was more level with uh, the earth as we know it, but also the fact that bullets can ricochet off metal objects sometimes if the bullets are soft enough. If you've got a good gun juggler at a party, someone's dying. It's true. Part of the fun is explaining to the cops how this happened and showing them the paperwork that says that this is legally okay to do. Yeah, because everyone signs the form, and then what you do is strategically – you line up your friends by those you don't like the most up front and then the ones you can't live without in the back. That way you've kind of got like a front lines kind of thing. That's right. That's how I started actually. I I, I offered my services to people I didn't like. And, you know, if they just happen to be in the line of fire, whoops, whoopsie doodle. Yeah. And because people don't like that person, there's not really a big outcry when they get shot. No, it's usually people who are racist. Yeah. <laughs> you know, despite the fact that I'm from – Southern Virginia, you know, big Trump supporters down here and whatnot, you'd be surprised at the amount of non-racists and anti-racists that you run into. And it turns out that a sharpshooter slash birthday juggler can be a Spencer for hire in a manner of ways. Okay, wow, that's good to know. So, Nate, uh, you mentioned sort of how you got started, but I'm wondering if you can go back a little bit further and tell us how did the actual – how did you decide on gun juggling – specifically was there a did you have a hero when you were growing up oh yeah actually to tell you the truth it's funny that Juno brought up his pre-ordered ps5 because the first time i saw gun juggling is in the playstation video game metal gear solid where one of the boss characters named revolver ocelot he spins a gun around really cool like juggles it around and tries to shoot your character solid snake and of course, he's a recurring boss, and then in Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater, you find out that he was a handsome young man at one point, but still used the same gun, which is the gun that I use, the Colt Single Action Army. Okay, let's take a break, and we're, we'll come back to talk to Nate a little bit about his thoughts on what's happening during uh, Kofefi 19. We'll be right back. Okay, we are back with our guest this week, Nate Drysdale. 
Nate, you were telling us a little bit about how you grew up, uh, how you became a, a gun juggler and a sharpshooter. I mentioned at the, at the beginning of the show a little bit about shopping, uh, which isn't directly related to your profession, but you have a really interesting theory about what's going on with the you know, reduced hours and reduced numbers of people allowed in stores. So I'm wondering if maybe you can put that together. And maybe there is a connection. I don't know. Maybe you can talk about that. Of course. There's always a connection, Chris. All right. There's, if there's anything I know from watching copious amounts of television is that something's always connected to something. And the fact of the matter is, the less people you have in a store, the more brainwaves you can monitor. Now, I do a fair amount of shopping because I need ammo for my profession. So what I'll do is I'll drive 45 minutes north to the Walmart in Harrisonburg, Virginia, which is right off of 81. I get all my gun supplies there. I don't like to go over the internet. I don't trust the internet too much. The information superhighway, I don't know. I don't like the sound of that. Anyways, the less people there are in a store, the more brainwaves can be collected for the government. Have you ever thought about something and then later on you get an ad on Amazon about a particular product? Like, say, for example, you're thinking to yourself in your mind, oh, I should buy some flip-flops. They're only a dollar here. But then decide against it at the last second. And then and then you go back to your house and it's a nice sweltering day and you decide, oh, I'm going to take a dip in the creek. But I don't have flip-flops, so I can't go in too far because those rocks are sharp and they will poke at my toes. But then you get online and then you get a get an ad for some flip-flops that you can order off of J. Crew's website, which are way more than just a dollar. That's a little suspicious, don't you think? Very. Well, it's, it doesn't just end there. I was walking around Walmart thinking to myself, what was that movie with Angela Lansbury where she plays a witch fighting Nazis? Inglorious Bastards. Oh, no. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm not familiar with that one. Oh, okay. I, I was taking a stab at it. No, no. Yeah, that's not the one. I was racking my brain. And I was just thinking this. I wasn't saying it out loud. Well, I might have been muttering, uh, Angela Lansbury, uh, Nazis. And then I go home and I turn on Disney Plus because... Look, it's six ninety nine a month. It's really cheap. Hey, it's even cheaper if you bundle it. That's true. You bundle it with ESPN2 and Hulu. It's a good deal, 12 something a month. Either way, I, I get on my D+. And it says, hey, know what you should be watching? Bed knobs and broomsticks. And wouldn't you know it, that's the exact movie that my brain was trying to decipher. And how 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 would my... Disney Plus have known that if I wasn't thinking that when I was walking around Walmart trying to get some soft bullets to shoot to shoot pieces of pizza out of the air. Hmm? That, that's clearly brainwave monitoring. It's not just brainwave monitoring from the government, which is what most people think, and it's the entire reason people have tinfoil in their house to fashion headgear out of. No, it's Disney. Disney is the higher up. They control the government, you see. Okay. So – the brainwave scanning that's happening in stores made easier by the pandemic mm-hmm. is controlled by Disney so that they can offer you the entertainment or the products that you are thinking about, but you're not, you haven't acted on. That's right. And you'd think that they'd be doing you a favor, but they're not. I mean, Disney world is open now. 
they open back up. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think they, they know people want want to buy their Mickey Mouse ice creams on a stick and ride the Dumbo ride up and down so they can get a good view of Main Street, USA. Is there any part of any part of America that is shielded from Disney infiltration? Anywhere that doesn't have the internet. And look, I'm guilty of having the internet. For a long time, you could not get Wi-Fi down in McDowell. It was very, very hard to get the internet. Now that it's a thing, you take it for granted. It, it's it's sort of like a succubus who's luring you in. Did you say Wi-Fi? Yeah, that's you know, W-I-F-I. Wifi. Yeah, I think everyone else calls it Wi-Fi. Well, I'm not everyone else, you know. So I'm just saying the places that, uh, that have Wi-Fi call it Wi-Fi. Well, maybe that's what Disney wants you to think. Oh, crap. I didn't even think of that. That's right. Uh, so, Nate. So are you saying that Disney actually started Covfefe 19 in order to clear out stores in order to upload more brainwaves? That's exactly what I'm saying. You know, we all know how Covfefe started. And to be honest with you, I know the magician whose fault it was to begin with. We run in the same circles. Yeah, I would assume so. You know the Great Baked Potato? The Great Baked Potato. <laughs> More like a grilled potato. He got burnt. He just got burnt. You know, he should really be called the Burnt Potato. That's a much better one. Can we start over? Can we Can we make it, make it so I said Burnt Potato instead of Grilled Potato? That's much better. Sure. Yeah, Chris, put that in post. Great. Yeah, put it, put it in your post-editing software and just plug it in there and let it do its thing. So, yeah, Baked Potato, he's taken several jobs of mine, and I couldn't abuse my smoking habit for about a month because he just kept going to birthday parties in which I was scheduled, and they didn't want two different asks, acts. You know, they just wanted they just wanted the magician. Well, come on, give me a break. Things that are dangerous are proven to be more exciting. Yeah. But we all know what happened with, with, with him. Um, you could say that. Perhaps his act was the most dangerous. Well, for sure. It's killing a lot more people than you've killed that we know about. Well, that we know about. Well, here's something interesting about the Great Baked Potato. He always wore Disney apparel. You ever been to the Disney store and they have denim jackets with Mickey on them? Like in the 90s, he's wearing baggy jeans. Yeah, I've got one of those. Yeah, that's right. And he's got Minnie, his slam piece. Yeah, he would constantly be sporting those denim jackets from the 90s with... Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse and Goofy and and the rest of that lot. Horace Horse Collar. That's an obscure character that nobody mentions anymore. Clarabelle Cow. So the Great Baked Potato works for Disney? You know, not... He doesn't say he works for Disney, but I know. I know. I look into his eyes and his pupils. It's not the one round pupil, but it's the one round one. And then two smaller round ones on a 45... And the other, the opposite of a 45 degree angle. You know, I'm a sharpshooter and I, I'm over with looky-loo. I don't really use math calculations to figure out my target. Yeah, you, you eyeball it, right? I, oh, eyeballing is the first and foremost rule of becoming a sharpshooter. At LGA, Sharpshooting 101, that's what they tell you. Eyeball everything. Math is for suckers. That's why there's so many accidents. It's true. That just makes it all the more fun, though, right? Yeah, because we're like, oh, he's definitely eyeballing that one. You know, you know, I can really appreciate your appreciating of my profession. No, I love it. Yeah, I love it. I, I, I actually am remembering now that uh, 
when I was 11 years old, my mom wanted to hire a baked potato and I threw such a tantrum. I said, I don't want no magician. I want something my my friends are going to come over here and be like, yo, Gino's parents are the coolest fucking parents in all of Bronx. Okay. So I said, I don't want baked potato. I want, I want a gunslinger. I want a gun juggler. I want a sharpshooter. Now, I'm, I'm not sure if it was you who's there, but whoever it was, I just want to say thanks for coming. And I never liked Alex Runsky anyways. Let me ask you a question. How old are you, Jino? I'm uh, I'm 19. You're 19? Okay, yeah, yeah. Then that's very possible. I am a little, I am about 10 years older than you. People say I often sound like a 50-year-old man or Sam Elliott, but that's only because I like to eat cigarettes. Oh, you, you eat the cigarettes. That's right. And, and the thing is, I don't eat. I don't just eat any old cigarette. I have to, I roll them first because that's, that's the, cool that's the, yeah, that's the standard. That's the old school way of like rolling your own cigarette and then eating it. That's right. I go down to High's general store right off the Hanky Mountain Highway, McDowell. And what I do is I order, I order in bulk, of course, from uh, my favorite tobacco supplier. Of course. Yeah. Uh, which is a, uh, Nashville Pricklebush. Oh, wait, wait a second. Nashville Pricklebush? That's right. That's the tobacco. Hold on supplement. a second. We order at everything. <laughs> we used to have everything. We don't have everything bagels anymore. We order in batch order two from a guy called Tennessee Prickle Kush. Oh, Prickle Kush. Well, if Prickle Kush. That's very similar to the to the pot that I like to eat. I like to roll my own joints and then eat that too. Wow, this is... Something else. Oh, yeah. it's You get me going on tobacco, let me tell you. You get wacky. So, Nate, unfortunately, we got to wrap it up, but I want to ask you uh, a final question. What do you think Disney, what is their ultimate goal? I mean, they're scanning brainwaves. They're causing a pandemic. They are uh, using a deranged magician as a front. What do they want from this? I mean, they're a giant mega corporation. How does causing uh, death around the world help them? Well, look, Disney has had a history of covering up any death that happens in the park. They want to be able to shield your eyes from everything that's happening around you. And if they're in charge, well, they have the means to do so. They've already bought Fox. They have so many properties under their control. They're Monopoly. And if I've learned anything from playing Monopoly... It only is going to result in everybody crying and punching each other at the end. I'm just trying to prevent the next world war, Chris. And if there's anything that's going to cause the next world war, it's going to be Kofefi. And that's going to be at the hands of Disney. And by the way, when I say Disney, the S is a dollar sign. Oh, that's good. That's right. When you spell it out, it makes sense. But when I talk about it, yeah, I Yeah, when you say, talk about it, you can't really see it. But when you say it, then I'm like... Oh, I can picture that perfectly. The dollar sign is silent. Okay, we are uh, unfortunately going to have to leave it there for this week. I want to thank our guest, Nate Drysdale. Very, very scary, but super interesting stuff. And my co-host, as usual, Gino Romero. Gino, thank you for being here again. Thanks for having me, Chris. Please join us next week when our guest will be McGillicuddy Stubins, who believes Zoom is actually a Russian front company. Stubins has written that Russia started Kofefi 19 to force us all to use video conferencing platforms so it could employ iris recognition technology to capture our identities, knowing the U.S. will soon be using biometrics to confirm 
our voting rights. Thank you for listening to Optophobia. I'm Chris Taub, and I will leave you with this. Find a penny, pick it up. All day long, you are robbing a child of her dreams. If you've got theories about Kofefi 19, we'd like to hear them. You can find us on our website, optophobia.org, or on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at, at optophobes. And please subscribe and rate the show if you like it. Thank you to Alex Kazanis, who played Nate Drysdale. Alex's dulcet tones can be heard each week on the Japanese pop culture podcast Toho Yaro and the One Piece podcast. Catch him various Saturdays doing live art at Super Art Fight on Twitch. Enjoy his improv follies with his teams TFA, the Sichuan Pepper Daddies, and IRL. Keep an eye out for a project Alex is co-directing for the Washington Improv Theater called And Scene. And follow him on Twitter at at dude exclamation. Jamal Newman played Gino Romero. Jamal performs with Lena Dunham and Nixon. You can follow him on Instagram and Twitter at at hello Newman and find him at jamalnewman.com. Optophobia was produced by Tim Townsend. Our music was composed by Bart Warshaw. Cover art by Claire Smalley. Website by Chance Griffin. Thanks for listening. Until next week, keep them open.